today's topic is based on the question I sent you guys. Do you throw your clients into the fire or ease them into a training routine? And that stemmed from a book that I'm reading called Influencer. And it's just five authors that wrote that book. Um, but it's a sent that book is most, most mostly about leadership and the excerpt that I got that question from, comes from uh, this is as important as it is to use baby steps to ensure short, short term success during the early phases of learning. If subjects experience only success early on, then failures can quickly discourage them. So that kind of led me to that question. Do you throw your clients into the fire or ease them into a training routine? <clears throat> so I figured we just kind of start off. Anybody can really start with that answer to the question if you if you have some thoughts on that. And, and we'll just kind of go around and just hearing everybody's thoughts and ideas and how you would go about getting somebody into a training routine. Yeah, if you if you want, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, yeah. Just from the standpoint of like assessment stuff and, and I teach at a college teaching uh, younger fitness professionals and stuff. And one of the things I tell them is if you do stuff too soon, meaning if you have your hardest exercises early on, there's nowhere to progress your client to. So if you throw them in the fire right away, that could be a method, but um, usually what that does is, let's say they've surpassed that fire and you got nothing after that, you lose your client early on. So I like starting off with baby steps. A, it keeps them engaged. So you have something to progress to. So you keep your client for longer. For, so from a revenue standpoint, you can maintain that client a lot longer. Like I've had client for, clients right now for nine years. Um, so you can keep them with you for longer periods of time. At the same point, if you look at uh, flow states, like from the research of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, he has a book called Flow. And in that he has, he breaks into four quadrants into how to hack a flow state. And so the way to hack a flow state is if you have the challenge just outside that person's comfort zone. So if it's too easy, they get bored really quickly. If it's too hard, they get discouraged and they don't want to come back. So you as a practitioner or an artist have to find just outside where their comfort zone is and then they'll reach that flow state where they're challenged, but it's not so far beyond them that they get discouraged and don't want to come back. So I always start off a little bit slower and then assess them. And I'm not going to go through the whole assessment process now, but just slowly move that carrot further and further away so that they're always engaged and always excited to keep training with you. Cool. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. I think it's good to, to find that right balance where, where you, you can push them a little bit to, to have them feel that experience and, and see that they can do more than they thought, but also not where it's too much. And, and you can continue for, like you said, nine years of, of having clients. It's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think another point, um, and he touched on it at the end there, um, is assessing, you know, you have to kind of know where your client is. Um, you know, let's say you assess a client, they really do need to, to start slow and, um, do a stability phase or an endurance training phase. Um, and that's what they need, but you also have to communicate to that, um, that to them upfront and how that type of training is going to help them with their goal long-term. Um, but if you assess someone and they kind of, you know, they're, they, they show that they have good stability and core strength and, um, and posture, um, you can start them off a little hotter. I think it's all about finding out where someone is on that spectrum and then getting them there. And like, um, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, but you were saying before, um, kind of challenging them just outside their comfort zone. But if you never assess them, you're not going to know where that, that edge is, and you won't be able to effectively kind of challenge them continuously. 
So like almost as, as if somebody's more on like an athletic level or just like a seasoned, uh, somebody who's been seasonally training and then just from an assessment happens. standpoint. So like, what are someone's goals and like what, and you do an assessment and kind of find where they're weak and is that weakness going to prevent them from reaching their goal? You know, and um, it's your job as a coach to find those weaknesses and um, give them, prescribe them exercises to uh, make those weaknesses um, more balanced. And then that will get them to reach their goals. So without an assessment, you know, step one is you kind of got to figure out where someone is. And um, if they need to, a little slower approach, um, you got to start them there. And if, if someone's kind of in tune, like if I was to coach or train one of you guys, I'm not going to sit there and hopefully not teach you how to how it feels to you know engage your core and have a neutral spine and neutral hips um my hope would be that all of us you know we know what that feels like but you might come across client has no idea and so they need to start slower but yeah definitely agree with that zach having that proper assessment is uh is definitely key key and reassessing too you know yeah. having yeah. some way of coming back and and checking to see if you know two three months in hey is my is my um uh, program is it working Mm -hmm. um checking in with the client you know are you enjoying this um do you feel like you're making progress uh do you feel like there's areas where you're not really hitting on on that communication and being open i think is really important too on the way otherwise you know you might think you're doing a really good job if they think you're kind of missing the mark then not, they're not going to stick around too long yeah so definitely ask the right questions and, and make sure that they're they're engaged and enjoying it like you said and, and just i remember well. uh early on hearing the phrase if you're not assessing you're guessing and that yeah. always stuck with me. If you're, you know, when someone comes in, you got to find a, a baseline of where you're going to start your approach from. Definitely. I think, um, hi everybody. My name is Sharif. What up, um, Sharif? What's going on? Um, personal trainer, nutritionist, all the accolades, whatever. But <clears throat> again, like assessing is, is probably number one. Um, I've had the, uh, opportunity to work for a facility that allowed me to understand what was called a functional movement screen. So from that, it was, it was a good learning tool to understand someone's physical weaknesses. Um, but I think once you do get that assessment, it varies on if you want to throw them in a fire or not. Like, I feel like once you get that core assessment, you'd be like, all right, he could do this, he could do that, or she can do this, she can do that. Um, Cause I know sometimes with some of my athletes, I like to wean them out a little bit. So I'll give them something that's really, really challenging from the beginning to see if they can handle it and see how they can take it. Not something that's OD crazy to the point where they won't be able to handle it, but if they can't handle something that I think is challenging. Then I see like, all right, how far we really got to work on and going. If I'm working with someone that's like really a little bit slower and progressive in their work, I'll start them off very, very baseline based off that initial screen to see where they at, and then I'll build them up from there. But like my athletes, I like to get a little bit more aggressive with them so because they need to know what's going on if they want to step up to that next level. That's just – that's my take on it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think being able to yeah. see it in a, in, a, in a distance of like where they can be and, and assessing that from the beginning of like how do I get – get to that point mm -hmm. uh, even past what their goals are yeah no i agree with you what you guys are saying so um i feel like the best thing you guys that what what i normally do is just kind of get a test um see where they at endurance wise strength wise 
and um, just go from there. Um, the key thing, what I normally try to deal with with most of my people is have them progress all, all together, uh, find out what their weaknesses are, and just pretty much have them progress from there. From there, um, I find that a lot of people like to spend, like especially most of my clients, they like to train on their strengths. I mean, okay, like you, train, you train on your strengths, you know how strong you are. At this particular movement or this particular whatever the case may be but like what about your weaknesses you know what i mean i feel like um our job as trainers is to definitely try to exploit people's weaknesses and get them stronger at that so that we can kind of um, progress them and say hey look where you started from look where you're at now 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 we have the whole entire every the whole entire fitness um your fitness level up surpassed where you used to be you know what i mean um this way you kind of show them from point A to point B, like this is how better you have gotten from when you first started. And this um, proper programming will help that out. Uh, will, will definitely do help that out. And um, it's obviously just kind of measuring where people at from the beginning to the end of the training. So you can have them for a longer period of time or whatnot, you know? Yeah, I think that's huge to uh, to understand what their goals are, but but also, like you said, to to find out their weaknesses, to know how to strengthen that. And and make sure you include that in the program as well, even if it's something they're not going to be super fond about doing. Um, you know, because I have like so many guys who just like just want to bench. I'm like, all right, you're good at benching. Like, okay, I just move something else. So just help out with your legs. You know what I mean? Let's do some squats. Let's do some Olympic lifts or something like that. You know? Yeah. So. Cool. Thank you. Really Let's hear somebody who hasn't talked yet. Hi, uh, my name is Juan Vargas, and I focus on human connection when it comes to the everybody who I train. It's about making people confident. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people walk through our doors and they don't have confidence in themselves and in certain aspects of their life. You know, they come to us because we're elite in the sense as in we, we are what we repeatedly do. We constantly practice, we constantly put in the time, we constantly put in the effort, and we show them how to do that. I, I start them wherever level they're at. My, my, you know, my goals are always to make them a better, a better version of themselves. But I, I focus, really focus on the human connection because I believe it's about how comfortable someone is with you. It's about trust. It's about like, oh, you know, he's not just putting me to the same program. He's putting everybody else to. It's about he's doing what's best for me. And that's what I focus on. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's huge. Like you, you, can, you can have somebody you can be the smartest person on the world and, and somebody can come to you, but if, if you can't connect with them, if you can't gain their trust and, and the respect so that they can follow the program and do what they need to do to get to their goals. And, and really it's, I don't think it'll ever work. So having that connection, I think is, is definitely huge. Like I was saying like time in the time, I'll like, how many times every year you guys see it, more new people come in, right? Like I got new goals new everything like that. And they just go absolute ham. That first two weeks of the new year, they go ham. And then it just fell off because it's like, it's too much. You know what I mean? Like their body can't adapt to it. They're sore. Like they like, no, I'm not as fit as I, I wanted to be, or this is too much work. I don't want to do this anymore. So how do you guys like, like tell your clients to like, Hey, calm it down. We can slowly get you to where you need to be. Like, how do you guys normally like break it down from that point on? I can, I can give you a quick, uh, analogy I use with my clients it's actually not my clients when when teaching younger trainers it's I tell them each program should be what I call chocolate covered vegetables 
And what I mean by that is you got to give them the things they need, right? So those are the veggies. They need this stuff, but they want the chocolate. So you have to find a way as, as, as a practitioner to, you need to do hip mobility or you need to do shoulder mobility. Yeah, you want your abs to burn. You want to feel it in your, your thighs. You want to feel your chest sore. So we need to find that balance of here's the things I really need you to do. And then here's the things that you actually like doing and you feel strong at and then marry those two together. And that's why I believe all personal trainers are artists because you're finding mm -hmm. that balance. I personally like to end with the stuff they enjoy mm -hmm. because people have a short-term memory. So you start with all the stuff they hate and then towards the end of the sessions, the things they enjoy. And so then they, they remember that last five to 10 minutes when they get in their car, especially yeah. when training youth, like youth athletes, I work with high school kids when they get in the car and tell mom or dad, the kids sweat and then they're like, oh, mom, that was so much fun. They chopped ropes and blah, blah, blah. But they don't tell their mom that they did soft tissue. They did activation and mobility before all that. The right. stuff they actually need as an athlete rather than the stuff that's fun and, and looks good on Instagram. So right, I got to right, find right. that's how I find that balance. Yeah. Everyone wants to be an Instagram trainer and do all this cool stuff on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I think going back too, to what um, Jabari and Chris were saying um, that in that like first two week, two, two to four week period, um, when you might get a client that's that's going real hard off the bat um, is as a trainer you have to give them some of what they need versus what they want right they got to work on their weaknesses um, but also a big part of that like you were saying before is the communication of it up front saying you know if you want to reach this goal goal x um, but you have these two weaknesses here that are really apparent um, and you don't focus on those you're never going to reach that. You're always going to run into this problem. It's always going to limit you. Um, you might get this injury, whatever the case may be. Um, so if you can kind of lay that out for them, you get a little more buy-in potentially from them. And now they, they have um, a little bit more drive behind doing some of those things, maybe that they're not as um, interested in doing, that they want to skip over the mobility that they need to do, the stability work, the soft tissue work, all that kind of stuff. Also, too, what Juan said earlier, you know, just establishing that relationship early with your client, like, and just letting them know that you got their best interest for them. And just let, I like to be upfront with them. Like, hey, listen, like, I know we want to do this, but I want to make sure that we can do this first. Because what I don't want to do is try to get you to that level where you want to get fast and then you get hurt or we're not seeing progress. Like, I like to educate my people like, listen, this is why we doing this. And if we don't do it this way, we can, I always let them know there's some dynamics to it, but if we hop right into what you want right away. I let them know, like, you're going to burn out. And I like to bring reality to them. Like, it might be hard for them to hear sometimes, but I'd be like, you haven't been in the gym in how long? And you want to get here and how fast? Let's, let's think about that. Let's, let's dumb it down a little bit. Let's get progressive with it. Once I show them the reality, a lot of them kind of just go, all right, yeah, let, let, let's work on that. But uh, I'd like to just be real upfront with them. Like, listen, I'm not trying to injure you. I'm not trying to hurt you or nothing like that. At the end of the day, that's on me, and I, I don't got time for that. So let's do this the right way. We're going to yes, do it. I think that's that's very important to – and just being a good coach is, is being realistic, like setting those realistic goals. Like, look, you haven't been in the gym for this long. I know you want to get here, but to get here – like this is the process that it's going to take. Otherwise you may get injured or, or you may fall off the routine or, or you may just progress too quick. So. Yeah. And I mean, you're right about that. Um, 
because and it's also kind of hard because it depends on what kind of client you have. If you have somebody with you three times a week, like yeah, that's easy. But if you have somebody that sees you once a week, once every two weeks, like all right, how can you really progress that person? You're just gonna have to throw them into the fire. Like, all right, like you got a good hour workout, see you next two weeks, you know what I mean? And I mean some people want that, some people are okay with that. But if somebody said like, Hey, like this is why I'm having an issue with this, that and third or this, that and third hurts, it was like, Well, I need to see you more. You know what I mean? I can't we can't really progress if you're not the only time you're working out is the only time you see me. Um, and that's another tough conversation you need to have with the clients. Like you don't want to tell them to go away. Because obviously that's money right there, and but you don't want to have them to like stay and not progress and not get any better. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm not, I'm still tackling that myself with some of my clients. I'm not sure how you guys deal with that. Um, I have give them homework. Do they do it? No. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, now I'm wasting my time um, for that. You know what I mean? So it's like, is it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So how do you guys deal with that? Well, I'll step in on that. Some people, when I when I when they first come to me, you know, they'll be like once or twice a week. But I feel also as a teacher and and like with any life experience, it's about falling in love with the process. So yeah. I make them fall in love with the actual process of it, where they they I and I ask them about like their workouts, and I have those conversations all the time we're working out, and I just show them that comparison when they work out with me and when they work out without me. And what the difference is and eventually they themselves you know as people we're smart and we're eventually we're going to make that correlation well if i do this more often with so-and-so i'm going to progress this much further and as i and and as i focus on that the next thing you know it's like two times three times and i see him like four or five times a week but then something else i did do was i created the conditions and the environment to be able to provide that to them at a good cost while mm-hmm. still being able to make a living for myself that also uh, correlates, you know, with what I'm giving them. So does that almost kind of translate into, uh, like, if you have them train with you like one or two times a week, do you put them in like a small group class so that maybe some they can afford where it's like they can train with you one on one, but then also still work out with you like a few, a couple more times a week. And and that's exactly it. What I did was I created in my gym and in my business, I created a semi private model. So where I'll go and I'll train anywhere in between like four to like eight individuals within an hour or two, but you know, then that correlates to me making anyone between a hundred to 200 dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. So then I'm able to help more and I'm able to see them more. So you create, you create a wider audience. It is more work on you because it's, you know, it's a lot of different individuals, but when you're putting down really good structure, really good foundation and you know, it's there. And on top of that, what I did was I, I made them become a community. So they also help each other out. You know, the, the more advanced students help the students who aren't as advanced. And, and it literally, it's like a family. And I run it, me as me in the center, overlooking the whole room. Yeah, that's, a, um, that's actually how we run our model as well. The one thing with that that I um, always caution trainers is that to make sure you have a sound system, it's uh, similar to like a fast food joint, right? You need to have a systematic approach to your program development. So it's not so much hands-on that you need to do. So if you have a good system, then you're running the system rather than having to run around individually with each, uh, with each client. Yeah. Going off that, um, 
definitely think that having a system in place, um, using something like a, like a conjugate method of programming where you kind of have your movement patterns, uh, maybe you have an, a, a, dam, a dynamic day, you have a, um, a max effort day, and um, you're kind of able to really easily kind of pick and choose exercises that match the movement pattern, that match either the load or the, um, the speed that you're lifting at that day and change it for whatever individual might need. So if you have, you know, five, six people and they all have to do a hinge variation, um, but this guy over here has got a lower back pain and this guy over here um, has got a, um, who knows, a knee issue or an ankle issue that he's recovering from, you're able to still program something that's dynamic for a hinge pattern and just change up the variation for those couple guys. Um, so yeah, definitely if you, if you have the structure, like the skeleton structure, what you're going to do, then, then that makes it a lot easier for one coach to be in control of that semi-private or that small group. Yeah, I think it, everything will just run more efficiently when you have that, that system. That definitely makes sense. I'll, I'll come in real quick. <laughs> um, more from an educational perspective, because I, I primarily teach, right? Um, dude, it's about the individual, right? And it's, it's, I feel like it's the trainer's responsibility to figure that out um, right off the bat. Some people will not like you if you don't push them. And some people will not like you if you push them too much, yeah. right? It's the same thing about teaching. I, I would love nothing more day one than to tell you everything that I know about everything that you want to ask. It blow your mind. It's too much. So the, the, everything that you guys are talking about, I agree with hundred percent that the systematic approach progression, totally understanding your client, understanding, do they want to not be able to walk out of here? Or do they not want to feel sore at all, right? Everybody's pain threshold is is so different, man. A zero is a 10 and a 10 is a zero. And and truly understanding how hard that person wants to be pushed, I think is, is priority number one. And that's a conversation that should happen from day one. And it's a conversation that should happen after every single class or every single session. Um, I can eliminate, as I'm teaching a class, I can eliminate material that I feel like is over the head of some people and I can add material that I feel that they need. Um, and dude, it's what it is. You got to know who's standing in front of you. Otherwise you've failed before you even started, you know? I'm going to agree with you, Justin. Hi guys, I'm Mandy. I'm actually a physical therapist. Um, so I approach things a little bit differently. Um, I see, I used to train. Now I sort of retrain my patients. And I, I definitely think that um, you have to read your client and read your patient. And I can always tell when there's a person in front of me, if I'm giving them something that's too complicated or too difficult and it's, they're getting frustrated, you have to be able to switch gears and be malleable that way. Um, so I think that's the most important thing. And you know when you can push somebody because you can see when they're getting bored or it's too easy. Or like sometimes I have patients who do all of their home exercises, like so diligently and so I know that that's somebody who I can throw into the fire a little bit more and really get them moving then there's people who come in and they're like I didn't really do anything at home and I'm like all right back at square one here we go fundamentals foundation so that we don't hurt you yeah, I think a lot of that comes to trust right I mean I was reading something the other day it's like your, your client either trusts you or does not trust you and there's nothing you're going to do about to fix that right um if they, I always tell my students, I have my number one interest is you. That's the only reason I'm here. Same thing with your client. You are only there for
for them. You would have picked a different pr pr uh, profession if it was about making money and being miserable, right? You want your client to be, um, that's your number one priority. That's why you show up to work. My students are my number one priority. Um, and if they understand that, they're willing to commit a little bit more um, than they normally would when they feel like they have to be there, you know? Yeah, thank you, Mandy. I think that's that's really great in terms of just understanding that that one-on-one -on -one connection of, of understanding how to approach things is 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 huge and and everybody's going to be different and you're going to have to take different routes for everybody but at least having the uh, ability to adapt to to each client is uh yeah not, that, and that's the hard part you know what i mean um i know that there's a lot of people that says hey i want to get a personal trainer they just want to get the ass well most of the time like think they're going to get the ass whooped every day i'm like this is what i'm getting out of it you know what i mean um, but it's not like, all right, some things we have to dial it back and not do that. So, um, and it's funny because like when I first started training, it was a, like the same approach. Like, all right, I don't know if this guy wants me to kill him right now, or if he just want to actually go through a full work workout program. And usually it's like always that first consultation. He's like, all right, I'm gonna put this guy through the work and see what happens. It took me probably about like one, it took me about one, actually it was like, I think it was like my second actual client, like. I think it was five minutes into working out, dude was about to throw up. I was like, oh, okay, we got to out this back. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't ready for this. And the thing that got me is that it threw me off because he was telling me that he's an MMA fighter. He's been doing it for five years. And I just did a nice little, like, calisthenic test with him. Squats, pull-ups, push-ups. Just try to get as many rounds as you can with that. And the dude was like, dude, like, I can't do this right now. He turned pale. <laughs> ran to the bathroom, came out for a bathroom. I thought I'd never see him again, but he came back and he was like, yo, I'm really out of shape. There's a lot of things I need to work on, I need to focus on. So we need to, um, we need to get better at it. And then right then and there, I was like, all right, you can't throw everyone into the fire, no matter what they say. You know what I mean? Somebody could lie about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Olympic athlete. Well, I'm a marathon runner. And then you put them to the test. Like, are you really? Like, you know what I mean? And then you have somebody who's like a regular Joe Smone, like they surprise you like, wow, this person is capable of doing anything. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I think from hearing that, I, I kind of hear two things. It's like one thing, if you throw them in, it, it's way too much. Obviously, they can't handle the entire workout and they have to leave and, and throw up and everything. And so, you know, through that session, like you, you're risking injury, you're risking just yeah. a lot. So, um, but the other side of it is by doing that, then you understand a lot more weaknesses, a lot more um, ways to approach a program for them because you pushed them past their limit. So I think there's like two sides to it with, with what I'm hearing. All right. Yeah. But you're basically saying it's like, don't throw them into the fire. Like it's best to just like take it on approach of, of a set yeah. and not like- Yeah, and keep pulling the onion back because everyone's going to think that they're Superman. Like, hey, these are, these are what I'm good at. This is what I'm great at. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, are you really? Or yeah. are you just trying to impress me? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. At that point, yeah, it's, also, it's, it's also, sorry to cut you off. It's, it's kind of like a learning experience, right? For you anyway, and, um, mm -hmm. and the client as well. But you also, at that point, even though you pushed them, you also develop a need. And that's right. part of the assessment too, to develop a need for your services. Like, hey, you said you were this you almost like slapped their ego down and said, all right, now you know you need to train with me. And, and there's times where that's necessary too. I'm not saying all the time, but there is time where that's necessary to slap that ego and be like, well, you're going to need my services because you think you're something, but you're truly not. And that's all. Right. That's a hard lesson to teach people. Go check. <laughs> yeah. I think also um, 
That's a good point. And think comes back to you have to have some type of way to assess someone. And maybe that assessment can be like a real ass kicking session. Like you hand someone a 2159 um, or some other type of, you know, endurance, uh, cardio endurance, something um, that maybe at first kicks their ass. Uh, but then two months in, you retest and they do a lot better. And then two months after that, they retest again and they're doing a lot better. So that's a good way to show progress. But I also think if you throw someone in, to the fire, so to speak, right off the bat, you're also, you're also kind of showing them who you are as a coach and what you prioritize. And that that's going to show them that you're prioritizing, you know, just an ass kicking of a workout over, Hey, we have this, this big mobility of restriction in your hips. That's going to put a lot of extra pressure on your back and your knees. And if you're just, just crushing someone with squats or whatever, or whatever the workout is, um, you know, you're showing them that as a coach, your, pri your priority is not fixing what you told them they would fit, that you would fix that, that mm -hmm. their weaknesses, you're, you're, you're saying, you know, I'm gonna fix that. And then all of a sudden, the next thing they know, they're getting their ass handed to them. Um, so it's about, you know, having a, a very straightforward communication with them, not just in what you tell them you're going to fix and what their weaknesses are and what you're going to work on. Um, but then actually going through and focusing on that, you know, and telling them there's time, but you know, there's more is not more, you know, doing something well is better. Um, and, and just being communi um, you know, very consistent in all forms of communication when you go forward with them in a program. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you do throw them into the fire and, and you go too much, like you'll lose compassion and, and then you'll lose that human connection of what Juan was talking about before. It's like, and then you also lose that knowledge factor of like, you're showing them that all you care about is like, let's go into a crazy right. hard workout. Like you're coming for me for a workout, right? Let's do that, right? That's what we should do. But yeah, no, we all know, you know, you can't, there's a limit to that. You know, you can't always right. keep going harder and harder and harder. You know, at some point you got to stop and come back a little bit and realize there's other aspects of fitness other than just going out that thousand percent. You know, you can work on your, your aerobic capacity, your mobility, your stability, you know, um, your your core strength there's there's so much so many passes to train yeah and right. at some point if you ignore one it's gonna limit you and hold you back whether your goal is max strength power speed if you're an athlete if you just want to lose some body weight if you're if you're like not focused on some aspect of, of some of those components of fitness at some point um it's gonna hold you back and you're gonna have to go back and focus on it or else you know an injury or something like that might prevent you from moving on um that's what people are paying for to do is find that out you know like they could get a kick-ass workout online or whatever and don't really need anybody for it but that's what they need you to come in there to say hey this is what you need to fix and this is what you need to go on so give them what they're paying for you know what i mean question for you guys too do you see a correlation i'm like listening to you and i'm like visualizing people kind of when you're talking about these people do you see a correlation between people's ages do you see certain people behaving a certain way at a, at a certain age as opposed to an older population, right? I'm sure Mandy sees differences Definitely. in rehabbing somebody who's 85 years old versus a 17-year-old athlete. And then another question I had for you is goals. Do you see certain trends with people that have a particular goal? You know what I'm saying? That they want to go, you know, balls to the wall when they want weight loss, but when they want strength, they take it as more of a, a progressive approach or whatever just throwing that out there as far as consistencies with age and goals. Um, speaking with the age thing, I, it totally varies. I could have a 17 year old athlete who I would want to push 
and it is completely unmotivated. And then on the other hand, the 17 year old athlete who I can just do everything with. Mm -hmm. And then that model literally just transcends through every single age group. I have patients in their nineties who I can do like crazy programming with, um, rehabilitation programming. And I'm like, who are you? And what's going on here? I need them. Um, and you know, and then there's always the flip side. So I feel like age is not even really a factor. It's the person. Yeah, I can, I can tell you from, I was the head athletic trainer at Westfield high school for eight years. So I dealt with thousands of athletes at the school and working with them. And now most of my clientele, once I left the school and, and opened my business, I thought it was going to be all high school athletes and super motivated kids. And a lot of it was parents forcing them to come to the gym and train. So those kids were the worst. And then when I, as I started working in the age group, the older population. So now most of my clients are in their sixties, late fifties, early sixties, because they have the disposable income and they actually want to come. So I have a 16 year old who hates life and doesn't want to train who walks in the door and I'm like, here we go with this. And then I got a 65 year old who loves it and wants to do the hardest thing in the world. So you're right. It's not really the age so much. It's the personality and, and the intrinsic motivation. If you can find what's their intrinsic motivation, you can actually toy with that and play with that and, and, and gear them towards their goal rather than having the extrinsic superficial motivation because that's going to fade really fast. So how do you motivate the 16-year-old who thinks he knows everything? And like, <laughs> all right, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just want to lift heavy and keep moving. I'll tell you how you don't motivate them. It never <laughs> works. Say fear? <laughs> you let them get hurt and you send them to Mandy. What'd you say, fear? <laughs> you let them get hurt and send them to Mandy. No, because then I have to their motivation issues. <laughs> Pass the buck. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you the thing that, that I've found with them is to find their, it sounds cheesy, but find their why. And, and some All of right. them, they just, they just want a friend. Like, I, I've had kids who, they just want to talk about video games. I don't even play video games, but I'll ask a lot of questions and be like, wow, that's interesting. And pretend, and I may go online and read a blog just so I can have a, a gem to talk about that with that child next time. And gotcha. once you develop that trust, that, that yeah. as, we, as Juan was talking about earlier, once you have that human connection, that trust, now they're your friend for life. But the weird part is they may be a jerk. And then all of a sudden, four years later, they come back and knock on your door and be like, hey, man, everything you said, oh, my God, it changed my life. And you're like, you didn't listen to the word I said when you were in front of me. But five years later, you're coming back and saying how it helped you. So right. sometimes um, we have to meet people where they're at. And sometimes we're giving them content that they're not going to be able to understand until they reach a certain part of life. And right. then they'll come back and they'll be like, thanks for, you know, instilling that in me when you, you're helping raising them at that age, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Chris, I find I have to negotiate with a lot of those types of <laughs> kids. I'm like, I'll let you out five minutes early. Don't tell your parents. And then also it's like, well, what do you want to do? And I put the control in their hands. So they get to pick their chocolate covered vegetables in mm -hmm. a sense um, and do what like excites them. And then I'm like, all right, now we did that. Now you do what I want to do. And you get like a nice balance, but you get that, uh, that commitment from them after that. Cause they're like, oh, you're my friend. You are not trying to fight me. Yeah, it's like, it's like feeding my two-year-olds. Like, do you want your rice or you want this? Both, I want you to eat both of them, but I'm offering you one or the other. So for them, it might be, do you want to deadlift with a kettlebell or a barbell? Still deadlifting either way, but to them, they got to make the choice. So you give them the autonomy there. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a mix and match of, of what they need, what they want. And then if, if you give them the option, 
uh, and as well as having them understand their why, then getting to that goal is like more smooth and it just flows a lot easier. Is that what I'm hearing right? I don't know. I find with unmotivated people in general, it doesn't even matter the age, they often don't care about the why. Mm -hmm. It's like almost a turnoff for them because the why confuses them and thus creates lower motivation. So I find that picking things that are enjoyable to start off with um, gets that connection and commitment from them and you just can skip over the why. Yeah. No, you know the why in your head. It's almost like, I don't have kids yet, but it's almost like when you, you have to like trick people almost into creating that motivation. So my name's uh, Troy Yates. I'm a um, student right now at N, uh, NPTI. I'm not in the fitness industry, so uh, thanks for the invite. Let me get some insight into what you guys do as professionals. Very interesting. Uh, so as a student or as a potential, you know, paying customer, I'm, I'm looking at this, um, this, you know, this new industry that I'm that I'm uh, getting into. But uh, Zach brought up a, a good point. Uh, if you throw someone into the fire right away, it kind of lets them know what kind of instructor or what you're in for paying. So if I'm paying you guys say, you know, 60 bucks an hour or whatever it is. And, um, cause everybody's different. You know, some people might want to go there and talk about, you know, what's going on with video games or meet a friend, but I know that I need somebody to, to kick my ass because I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing it on my own. That's why I'm paying you 60 bucks. So as long as, so I'm putting my trust into you that, hey, if, it, if I do the assessment and it looks like my knees and my body can hold up to whatever uh, punishment you're going to dole out, then, then that's kind of what I want. I mean, yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll be friends and have that professional relationship. But, you know, if, if I go there and after the first workout, you know, uh, or I'll give you an example. I, we went to that D1 fitness after just my, after a couple of weeks of training and I've been out of shape for several years. Um, I thought I was going to puke after the end of the session. And even though I was laying on my back, you know, dying, I, I was ready to pull my credit card out right there and sign up again because I, I just thought that was cool. I was like, man, I haven't had my ass kicked like that in a long time. But so, so yeah, it, it depends on the individual, but, but I do like the point about uh, the paying customer. I mean, because not every relationship is going to work out. You know, you might go there and it's like, oh man, that's a great guy. I'd like to drink some beers with him or whatever and hang out, but uh, he's not a good fit for me as my needs are. You know, I need somebody who's going to uh, help, you know, hold me accountable and call me out, you know, maybe send me a, a, a harassing text message in the middle of the night saying, hey, I know you're getting ready to eat that donut. You know, why don't you put it down? You know, that kind of, that's just how I respond to things. So if I found an instructor or, or, or the trainer who was my match that way, then I, I think that would be okay. So I don't necessarily think maybe uh, if that person is not a fit for you, you know what I mean? You just say, hey, you know what? Well, I know another guy you might be a good fit for because you're still interested in this person bettering themselves. You just might not be a good fit together with, you know, with your method. So yeah. that's just kind of my point of view from a, from a student and from somebody who's kind of looking at you guys like if I was going to pay so I'm getting the benefit of kind of correcting myself and, and seeing all these different, um, you know, uh, coaching techniques and personality and kind of management styles while I'm going through this training as well. So, no, yeah, thank, so thank you. So I, 
I think you brought up a, a point that nobody has brought up yet, which is setting proper expectations, like understand what they're trying to do. Tell them, all right, like this, this is your goal. This is, this is how we got to get there. But like, just so you know, this is my approach and have them understand that prior to even having them pay you. And if, if it's not a good fit, like you said, maybe, you know, another trainer and being able to set the expectations in the beginning will allow for more trust throughout the whole process. I also that think that'll, uh, that'll help you niche, like kind of find your niche yep. and, just about to say and being able to say no to people who you know aren't going to fit is going to allow you to run a much more efficient business because mm -hmm. now you're not running around trying to figure out how to do something over here this way that maybe you're not really that good at. Um, it takes a lot of energy out of you to figure that out, coach that way, uh, figure out that method, communicate with that person. That might just not be worth the money you're making from it rather than if you can kind of know what your niche is and know, know the client that you're looking for and let those people come find you um, as you develop and become really good and kind of get your brand known out there. Um, I think that's a big, big important lesson in just business and running it is um, not falling into that trap of trying to chase, chase every customer, but rather find your niche, work at it, make your craft really good, perfect it, um, let word get out, and then you, you'll, you'll kind of reap the benefits down the line. That's one of the reasons um, I tell all the, the younger trainers to start working. And I know you're recording this, uh, Jacob, but I tell them go to a, a big box gym before you go out and start your own business. I mean, I started at, at Workout World in 2003. I um, went from there and after college went to Bally's. And just to I find my clientele, find the people who vibe with me, found my own style. And then when I created my style and my system and everything, then I went out on my own. And then I found the clients that, you know, wanted to work with me instead of chasing clients. But around that time, I was at Workout World for four years, figuring out who the hell I was as a fitness practitioner. And throughout that time, I changed. I went from like being wanting to be a you know, heavy lifting guy to wanting to be the sports athlete trainer to the mobility person to body weight and now mobility and movement is kind of my thing. And if you're not, um, I forgot the gentleman's name, but to his point, if it's not a fit for me, I'll refer to someone else because I have friends in the industry where I'm like, yeah, go to that person. Like, I know what you're looking for. I'm not that guy. And, and learning how to, you get to a point where you can fire clients or you can say, you can be a little picky with who comes in your door and who, who not because uh, to what Juan said earlier, it's you're, you have a community there. And if someone disrupts a community, it's like a, it's like a cancer. It ruins the whole community. So you have to be really cautious over your community, who you allow in your doors and who actually stays and make sure you're not changing just to keep one person and lose 10 on the back end. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to add to that. And that goes back to like the conditions and the environment and why it's so important because you let in one bad apple, then the whole tree will get rotten. Mm. You know, it, it has to be the kind of thing where you, you, you have to create a sense of energy and that energy has to be the right fit for everyone. I, you know, there's people who I turn away because of egos because I, I won't allow egos in my gym. Because if I allow an ego in my gym, now I got somebody who's trying to compete as in supposed to somebody who's not, who, who should just be burying themselves and pushing the people around them to bury themselves. I, 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 I'm, it, it's huge. It's huge. You want your business to grow, you have to pick your people. And, and, and you, have, you basically have to build your tribe. Like the community aspect of it, of it is huge. I mean, even if you have like one-on-one -on -one clients or you do semi-private training, um, 
making sure that everybody that's in the facility is is all there to better themselves and, and better each other. And, uh, and like you said, if that's, that's one bad apple, it kind of you know, starts to spread. And so you don't want that. I'm Rob. Yeah, what up, Rob? A lot of you guys know me. Actually, I think just about everybody uh, knows me um, one way or another. I personally just view this all as um, a relationship with your client. Like, just be their friend. Like, just understand what they're feeling. Because some people are going to be different things on different days. Uh, some people are in need of getting an ass-kicking workout. Um, usually not right out the gate, but somewhere along the way, they're going to need to release some stress like in a major way. And you can sense that when they walk in. And then you just kind of have to gauge off of your relationship and your being their friend to know like what's the proper move here and what, what they're feeling knowing them as a person. Yeah. Sometimes they need that kind of therapeutic, you know, we're going to do glute bridges today, rather than deadlifts, like things like that. We're going to do one-legged glute bridges instead of one-legged RDLs. Things like that, you just scale it back and go with the arsenal you know. Um, but then other times you're just like, nah, let's do like a dozen burpees, like, and then just pull ups and then kettlebell swings. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding what your client wants and trying to fit a program with that. And kind of what everybody else has said leading up to this. Um, if you keep that parrot a little bit out in front, it keeps them motivated. But occasionally some people, some clients will get overconfident and think that they're the shit. And you do need to rein them in and just show them what's up and push them to the point of them not being able to do something. And then you rein it back in and go from there. So yeah. I think more than anything, it's just like being a friend to your client because they are a friend of yours. Really, they're somebody you interact with on a regular basis and they're paying you for that. So you should give them something that's positive for them health-wise. Um, and that's our job is to put the personal and personal training and just make it just mm. that person. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, you, you said it really well. Um, so finding, yeah. finding the, uh, a program filled with exercises that would, would be able to get them to their goal. But it kind of sounds like you're almost more focused on the mental side of it, of making sure that that they can, they can feel good whether they come in that they want to push or they want to, you know, take a step back and, and not even just the mental, but also the physical of, of trying to adapt every day on a day-to-day -day basis with the main goal in mind um, and, and being there for them uh, in, in that aspect. Is that exactly. I mean, there's, there's also a huge nutritional and lifestyle dynamic to, uh, to all of this as well, because more, they spend more time on their own than with us. So like kind of getting them to focus on sleep and nutrition and like rounding lifestyle is really what we need to, well, I think my best benefit to clients and friends are like, I kind of treat it like how I did when, when I started out doing this, like before I stepped away from it and came back, um, it was like 2000, like 2001, 2002 in college. And like, I was at like the local gym, um, training people not really well um, but my friends I was actually training better um, because I had the freedom to not have to try and fit anything to what was expected and I was a kid I didn't know any better I just followed the templates but like with friends I actually we would work out together and we would learn together and that's kind of how 
it's more of a give and take from the client uh, than we kind of have said thus far that like we learn from our clients too and mm-hmm. i think um so kind of going back to that old school like i'm just helping out my friends they just happen to be paying me for my time uh is kind of how i approach it and kind of knowing your worth as a trainer is where the pricing can come in uh if you're not in the big big box gym like some of us are so i mean i really think that you know Right now is obviously very weird times. I don't expect this to last forever, but right now we can all kind of just, cause we can't go anywhere. We can go everywhere, run with the virtual stuff. It's just, hopefully people have an income that can sustain that if they're doing it for free, which I think is the best way to do it right now, just for lead gen and just talking to more people and helping more people. Yeah, definitely. So, I think uh, you got a lot of great points and, and- like seeing that day-to-day adaptability and just being there to help them and, and um, just just being an all-around good coach and, and being able to understand like some days they may go off the program, some days they may be on it and, and that's just what it's going to be. So thank you, Rob. I know we're, we're extending past. I know I said only a half hour. We can talk forever. I know we haven't heard from Mark. So Mark, if you want to say something real quick, uh, then we might just wrap up some key points that, that you guys have, some takeaways. And, uh, and everything. I'm sorry we, we pushed this out a little bit further. Yeah, no worries. I was going to say um, thank you for letting me join. I'm a student at MPTI and and just listening to all you guys, I've learned a lot, like a lot of great tips and everything. Um, just to, in regards to the conversation, I think, I think when it comes to personal training, there's a trainer for every person, right? And it, it works, it's hand in hand, right? You got to, the, the client has to find the right trainer for them and you have to know if you're the right trainer for that person and my i when i when i become a personal trainer i want to i want to sell people more on my philosophy i want to teach people that i want to teach i feel like there's more there's more parents to train there's more people who are out of shape and i want to teach them more like i want to teach you functional training like you're going to do a thruster because you're going to be able to pick up your kids in the air and throw them in the air or we're gonna we're gonna do cardio because that saturday morning when your kid wants to go to the playground um you're gonna be conditioned and you're gonna be well and play with them and you're gonna be engaged and in the moment and and i think it's important to consider your clients lives i think it's important to to think about their job what they do on a day-to-day basis and training for us like we train and yeah we are the elite as if we practice every day and we're always we always have constant goals but our lives are different, you know? Sometimes, sometimes in the spring or fall or summer, we're working out more, we're working, uh, we're working more and training less because of stress and stress goes up and down year by year. And I think it's, it's important to always, always tell your client, like the functional training is, is the base. That's that you need this, you need this to move in life and to live longer. Um, and you could get all that basic information on the internet. Um, right now, right now, we all, I feel like good trainers are to filter for Instagram. So yeah, you can see the shiny stuff on Instagram. Um, but for us as good trainers, who we continue to, how we continue to educate ourselves, continue to learn, we filter that stuff out. So yeah, you need to do this, not for a squat or not to lift heavy, but you need to do this because it will help you, it will help you move better at 60 or 40 or 45. You know what I'm saying? Think long-term. Exercise, I think, like when I, and this is, this is just from, this is also like 
putting compassion aside because I feel like I'm already compassionate and things like that. Um, I feel like you should tell them, you should always try to tell them that, hey, this is essential. Like, so we need to do this, put it in the proper way. And you're coming to the, you're coming to me and we're going to do this so you can, aside from your goal, so you can stuff, so you can complement your goal. But these are the things that you need to do. Exercise is essential. It's non-negotiable. I think we can all agree on that as personal trainers. And I think, I think um, throwing them into the fire, there's a time and a place for sure. You know, a time and a place as in there's seven days of the week. One of those days we all throw ourselves into the fire. The other days, no, we're going to do more mobility. All those things are important. So you need to be well-rounded. And as we train, if we're in a, a three-month program, six-month program, or a year program, those are the things that I'm, every session I'm going to try to sell them on my philosophy on, on why we should do this, um, consider their goal, and also, also give them what they want. So if you're strong at this and you really like doing this, we're going to do this. This is that Saturday or this is that Friday where we're getting that workout in. And we're constantly talking about it. But overall, like, yeah, I think um, human connection is everything. Consider the person, consider the person's job. And when it comes to kids, when it comes to kids, some kids are unmotivated, that 16-year-old whose parents are pushing them to go to train and everything. I think that we are, we are the adults and we're the personal trainer and we're the experts. Um, paint their dream for them. If they're a basketball player, like, hey, you're pretty tall. Um, if you work on this, you know, you could get to this point. And also always painting that dream and help them set a goal. Because I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we had goals at 16. My goals was hanging out with my friends and party, right? So whatever, you know, speak to that person and, and always try to build that human connection. So, so I agree. I mean, I, I'm glad to be in the, in the, in the Zoom chat, man. I feel like I've, I got a whole page of just things I just want to expand on. Thank you guys. Okay. I, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot. Much. So it sounds like you're kind of, your philosophy is just making sure that uh, you focus on, on, on movement patterns and making sure that people understand how to prevent injury and, uh, and also adapting in a program to, to help with uh, parents and grandparents to be able to keep up with their kids. And, for and sure, that. for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. Guys, I'd like to wrap this up. I take a second just to promote yourself and tell people your name, uh, your business, if you have one. Yeah. So, um, Zach, for those of you who don't know, I think everyone on here now knows me, um, except maybe Mark over here. Um, but I work at, nice to meet you too, man. I work at uh, Lifetime, for those of you who don't know. Um, but takeaways from today, I think um, one is assessments, right? You got you to gotta kind of assess understand your client's weaknesses understand that in terms of um how it's gonna help them or hurt them from reaching their goals and then um leaning into the second point communication you know being upfront with them about um what your role is going to be as a coach uh the program the priorities of the program um timeline and then being you know consistent in your communication um for how you actually coach, you know, what you're selling versus what you actually give them. Um, and the last takeaway um, is that human connection, you know, that human interaction um, and just building that rapport and, and um, having your client know that you're really there for them. You get their buy-in. Um, it's going to make everything in the program go a lot more smoothly. You know, you could write a brilliant program for someone, but if they're not going to do the workout, if you're not going to have the right intention behind it, um, you're not going to get the results you want out of it, you know? Um, 
for those of you who don't follow me, uh, my, my Instagram is at uh, fitasbrook. Uh, I'll type it in the messenger. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. I'm really just mostly on there, putting content up. Um, once this whole virus thing is over, I'll be back at Lifetime Fitness in Berkeley Heights. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at fitasbrook. I'll put a lot of content on there. You can reach out to me um, through uh, messaging in there. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, thank you for putting this together, man. This is awesome. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, Jabari? Uh, yeah, so Jabari Prince. I'm over with Lifetime at Berkeley Heights, also with Zach, too. Um, I have three good takeaways I got out of this. Um, definitely pro progress your clients because that's a smarter way about it, a smarter approach. Um, see um, where they're at, and uh, this way you can show them from point A to point B uh, where they're at uh, from the start to the end. Um, also, so um, like uh, what was it Chris? He was saying about the the, the chocolate covered uh, vegetables and stuff like that. Like you, um, you ought to communicate with your clients and say, hey, this is what you have. This you have two different options there. I like that approach too to say like, hey, like kind of because I would say like a deadlift is a deadlift, no matter if you do it with a kettlebell or a barbell. Um, so give people some options to kind of give them saying like, hey, like I ha I'm I'm empowered to to establish what kind of work I want to do. Um, and also just like building up your community. Um, and the one way you kind of build your community is obviously communication and um, showing people what you're about. Um, and if you don't do that, then I guess like the, the industry would decide that for you. You know what I mean? Um, so you have to go out there and just put yourself out there, say what you like, exactly what Zach was saying too. Um, say no to some, some people um, and, just be, and be confident with that, you know? Um, I could, I know when I first started, I know I was just trying to take on anybody. So I was like, I don't care. Like, I need to get bread. I need to get money. I, I'm going to figure this out anyway. So I'll take anybody off. You know what I mean? Yeah, Even if I don't have a clue about it. Exactly. Yeah. But that was back in the day when I didn't have a family. I just had a puppy to feed. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No, nah, it was, um, now nah, this is awesome, though. I like this. I want to do this more often. Um, but yeah, my Instagram, I got two job weapon 44 and Prince Fit empire um you can meet, reach out to me on there um right now i'm in the process of trying to lift heavy it's kind of hard not doing doing that in the coronavirus atmosphere you know so i'm like trying to like scavenge ways lift up couches and all that so but yeah nah this is good guys i, I really appreciate this thanks cool. for putting yeah, it together thanks so much, yeah cool yeah rob you can uh, go ahead and go next uh yeah um so the key takeaways for me are just no your audience know who you're servicing be their friend and adapt to them and adapt your style to them so that you can better service what they're trying to achieve basically like the more that we just service people as friends and help them get to where they want to be the better things are going to go for our business and the more that we just keep it casual and i mean define limits and and set boundaries and expectations but I mean, I don't, I kind of have drifted away from being the kind of just, we do this, this, and this, and I kind of roll with the, the flow of things from my client, depending on how they're doing that day. Naturally, that's different if there's a larger group. Um, but even still, you kind of adapt to the group at that point. Yep. But yeah, so my big takeaways are just know your clients and service them as people and the rest will follow. I'm Rob Morgan, uh, actually, yeah, I'm Rob Morgan, now at Morgan Method uh, on Instagram, that's morgan.method. 
um, check me out. Good seeing you guys. We should do this again soon. Thanks, yeah, Jacob. Definitely. Thanks so much, Ross. First of all, I want to say thank you, Jacob, for having me today and including me in this. This was amazing. Thank you, Juan. So my, uh, my philosophy in life and, and my biggest takeaway is I surround myself with great people. So that only allows me to be great. So my biggest takeaway today was just sharing a conversation with all of you guys because I see nothing but amazing and greatness people here today. So I, I just, it, it's already made me better. And that, that is my number one thing. So I probably was gonna finish off with the word inspiration. And that's what we do for people and that's what we do for each other. Awesome, thank you so much. How can people find you? Um, uh, Juan Vargas Official in Instagram and I own Mind and Body Fitness in Maywood. Awesome, thank you so much, Juan. Thank you guys. And uh, Mark. Yeah, uh, I think this is, I got so much, honestly, just sitting in the room with you guys. So I just want to say thank you for setting it up and thank you for letting me be here. Thank you. Just the three tech takeaways. I really like having a systematic approach. I feel it's easier to work in a system um, and you can be consistent in a system. Building a community is essential, is important. And, uh, you know, getting here and constantly, constantly, never stop learning relearning and like sitting in rooms like this and learning from people like you guys so i'm just happy to meet you guys and um again thank you this is this did a lot for me awesome and i appreciate it yeah Yeah. all right guys well that's that'll about wrap it up um i just want to thank you guys i know there's a lot of people who kind of took off already but thank you guys so much for showing up i will definitely be doing something like this in the future and uh and i just appreciate you guys throwing your insight and, your, and, and educating everybody on on just how to be a better coach and, and uh, the principles of, of going about uh training a new client yeah i appreciate this man you're the man yeah awesome thank you guys thanks bro